Hi there, and welcome to Indie Know, a podcast hosted by me, Lane Northcutt. Each episode, I will interview an indie author or publishing professional and chat about all things related to the author journey, including writing, editing, publishing, marketing, advertising, and so much more. If you're an author or just interested in learning more about writing, then stick around. Each week, my goal is simple, to help you learn a bit more about the craft and the industry. After listening, I hope you'll feel a little bit more Indie No. Hello and welcome to another episode of Indie No. Today's guest is Ailey Miller. A California native, Ailey Miller, FSA SCAT, has a BA in English and studied history as an undeclared minor to better inform her literature studies. A longtime historical reenactor, Ailey loves research and educating the general public about historical events, as well as entertaining them with tidbits no one would believe if they weren't documented. She extends this same energy to her work, extensively researching the historical periods she includes in her writing to ensure that the information she presents is correct, even going so far as to travel internationally to access archives and scout locations. She resides in Southern California with her husband, her daughter, and her feisty Shibu Inu sidekick. Her historical fiction series, The Watchers Series, is available on Amazon.com, and as of this week, her book three, Echoes of the Rising, is now available. So without further ado, welcome Ailey. Hi, it's good to be here. How are you? Yeah, great. I'm doing well. How are you? Hanging in there. You know, it's actually cold in California for once. We're having winter. Can you believe it? <laughs> I know. Uh, as, as I'm speaking, um, there is almost two feet of snow in New York. So, uh, Oh, yes, yeah, I can't. quite a day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't relate to that one, unfortunately. Um, but it rained, so that's good for here. <laughs> we're not on. We're not on fire. That's that's a good start. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll take I'll take rain over fire any day. <laughs> Haley, I'd love to know a little bit more about you, your background, and and how you got started in this crazy author career, and especially in the historical fiction side of things. I've always wanted to be a writer. I've wanted to be a writer since I was eight. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an aunt uh, bought me, you know, a journal. I'm, I'm assuming she meant for me to keep it as a diary, but, you know, I was ambitious and I decided I'm going to write a book. Uh, <laughs> and I have no idea what happened to it, um, but it's kind of something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I've always been the person kind of telling stories and making up stuff. So I got kind of the other side of it, right? The, the English side where, you know, you're reading and you're studying Mm-hmm. historical literature. And then alongside that, you usually study history um, so that you understand what's happening in the period around the books that you're reading and around the time that the author was writing, because that informs their writing, obviously. Right. Um, right? So y- you can pick up kind of the subtle details in there, the jabs that they kind of lace <laughs> in there um, and kind of the, the, social criticism. Um, you mm-hmm. can kind of pick up where if you didn't know, you, you might not catch it. But history has always fascinated me, what things were like and, and what people were doing then. And I specialized a lot in school mm-hmm. in Tudor England and Victorian England. Um, and so when I left school um, and I eventually moved here, uh, I, there's a huge historical reenactment community in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, every period you could possibly think of, people are doing a group for it of some sort. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Regency, 40s, 1920s. I mean, pick one, you can, <laughs> you can find it. 
And so I started working with a group that did, you know, Queen Elizabeth's court in Tudor, England. And so that was, that was super fun, obviously. Right. Because that was my gig. I know that. Um, and then I started getting into working with the 18th century as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's been, that's been super fun and kind of informative and kind of where some of these ideas started, um, for, for the books that I've currently written. Um, but historical fiction, I mean, it's just where I'm comfortable. Um, it, it's something that I know I can, I, I can learn when I do it, if that makes any sense. Right. I mean, I'm researching, I'm learning new stuff and I noticed that history really interests a lot of people as well. You know, obviously, I mean, it's a big, if you look, there's a lot of historical fiction, a lot of historical fiction, movies and TV shows. So, you know, that, that's a, it's a big draw for a lot of people. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we are nothing if not history, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you'd be surprised, I think how many, or maybe not, uh, how many people know kind of the broad overview, but they don't really understand it right? because knowing it and understanding it are two different things. Um, Oh, absolutely. You you can know the dates, you can know the players, you can know whatever, but if you don't understand the politics of the time and their motives and what was happening, then you don't really understand it. And so I think it's really a really fascinating example of that um, is Heather Cox Richardson. I don't know if you've, kept up with her or not. Um, but she's a historian, um, historian, she's, you know, history professor, Mm -hmm. but she does these newsletters and, um, long posts on Facebook. And she essentially takes the news of the day and frames it against historical information. And it's like, you know, this is how this compares to what happened before. Right. Um, and can you see the parallels and see how things might work out and how we can learn from history and maybe see the pattern. And, and even though it looks scary as hell right now, it might work out just fine because of this. So it's, that's really fascinating. And I think if you haven't checked her out, you definitely should. Um, oh, yeah. But she's very big on that, right? It's, it's understanding the context. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's uh, as you said, very important, I think, to, to understand the, the past so that we, as they say, are not doomed to repeat it. Yeah, we will anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we will, but it's, it's how we maybe deal you with won't, doing it, right? <laughs> right. Maybe you won't do it as badly this time. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Let's hope we Let's just mess hope. up about 90% <laughs> of what we did last time. <laughs> right, right, right. Speaking of, you know, history is such a, I mean, every second we get, you know, toward the toward the future is another second mm-hmm. in the past. So mm-hmm. how how did you personally decide what specific area to study? And how did you just decide in what periods to set your books? Ooh, um, so periods to study, I mean, it's really kind of what literature appeals to you the most. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're going to study Shakespeare, Tudor England is where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to look at things like, which is, which aren't fiction, but, you know, things like, you know, utopia and other writings of the period, you kind of have to study the politics of Tudor England, which are absolutely insane. <laughs> um, and, and ever shifting and, and trying to get it, God, I mean, trying to get a, a nail down on that mm-hmm. is really hard because it changed daily. And then, you know, Victorian literature, you you have this huge, 
huge, huge, huge societal shift from like these agrarian, you know, villages and everything else to suddenly you're in the industrial revolution. And you kind of see how society moves with that and the literature with it. Mm-hmm. And and you start getting stories about uh, workhouses and poor people and um, you get stuff like Charles Dickens, right? Oliver Twist and, you know, right. David Copperfield. I mean, you get all of these really fascinating things that are based on what they're seeing in mm-hmm. the world. Um, and so I think it's really choosing what to study. I think just really kind of like that depends on kind of what, what interests you um, as far as where to put the books. <laughs> the first book, um, the watchers, I, the idea in my head were kind of these two people who were kind of fighting against these forces that they had no control over um, mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out what to do and how to navigate that. And I, picked um i the period of um the 1745 rebellion uh in scotland um, and i picked that because there was such a an emotional and tumultuous time mm-hmm. um you have you know obviously the clan chiefs that are uh, jacobite supporters that are loyal to the Stuarts. Um, you've got other ones who are, are loyalists as far as being loyal to Hanover, who's the English king at the time. And in the middle of that, you've got the common people, um, you know, the the normal members of these clans who, whether they believed it or not, is irrelevant. Right. You know, it, it doesn't matter what you think. We're going to war and you go and that's, you know, you live on my land. Um, you were part of my clan. And part of this is military service when I call you up. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're going. Um, and so this for, to me, I'm like, this is kind of the perfect place to start this story um, where you have one character who is stuck in the middle of this. Um, and he, he doesn't, he has the life that he thought he wanted and it turns out he kind of doesn't want it anymore. Um, <laughs> and so the other pages, I mean, this is a long series. Um, I've already have 15 out of the 21 books have already been written. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they all de- deal with a different historical period and the missions that Grace goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, as far as choosing those, it's kind of like, what kind of fun event can I mess with? And that's kind of how I pick it, right? It's, it's like, <laughs> who, you know, I mean, as we've got, I've got, one with the Regency and Lord Byron. I've got one with um, Victoria and Albert. There's one with the American Revolution um, mm. where we deal with Washington and Hamilton and Lafayette. Um, and so it's very, it's fun, right? It's just, it's just fun. Yeah. It's like, how, how, can I, how can I mess with this? And at the same time, teach you stuff that's, um, that's interesting. Right. And, um, and I'll touch on some of that in a bit, but I want to go mm-hmm. back to the initial idea of the Watchers series, book one, mm-hmm. where it all started. How did this idea come about? The idea of, of the Watchers and, and Grace and Ewan and, and the council oh. and all of this. Oh my God. Okay. First of all, I <laughs> the idea kind of popped into my head um, on my way home one day from work. Um, <laughs> and I just heard this song and I was like, you know what? And it just kind of started 
the the germ of the idea in my head. And by the time I got home, I had a full fledged idea for this story. Um, That's quick. It, yeah, and I, I <laughs> <laughs> my husband hates me for that. By the way, uh, <laughs> he's just he gets so mad because uh, he's a, he's a writer too. Um, so he's like, you have twenty two books in two years, and I've written like one. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so it's um, in fact that the band Arstadir is the band, um, and I name them in the acknowledgments actually, and thank them for writing the song that kind of spurred it all. But I started writing because um, just a way to deal with my postpartum depression after the birth of my daughter, um, and kind of give myself a place to escape to for a while at night after she went to bed, and. So I wrote, yeah, I mean, so that's where it kind of started. It just, and I thought to myself, like, if, you know, if we could go back, you know, into history, what would we do and what would we not do? Um, And what are the things that time travel stories don't usually touch on? Um, And that's, that's a huge question Um, because a lot of times you see time travelers show up and, and they don't really address the impact that you showing up is going to have, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as you are bringing um, germs and illnesses that they don't have mm. any idea of at this point because they're new. Right. Um, so you'd be bringing those to them. Um, you are in turn exposed to things that no longer exist here. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily because of vaccination, but just because they've, they've died out. Um, right. Like the sweating sickness in the 16th century, right? Perfect example of that. They still don't know what that was. They oh, still gosh. don't know what it was. And it just disappeared, <laughs> right? It just, I mean, yeah. it, it rampaged and then it was gone. And they, like I said, they don't know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> the sanitation thing, right? Like you, you're being exposed to, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, foods maybe that, that you weren't eating before. Um, that your, your body's going to, you try to eat it. Your body's going to be like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> um, you know, so there's a lot of things that kind of, they, they don't touch on that because it doesn't really make for a good story. Um, right. You know, unless you're a nerd like me, but, um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I thought to myself, like, you know, if you take kind of this aspect of, and the general idea behind the council is that. 400 years in the future where grace works, Mm -hmm. um, they have discovered that there's multiple timelines running concurrently. Hmm. Um, and they can repeat and they do. Uh, but every timeline has the same event, same people living the same lives. Um, but if anything like changes, it can cause chaos and everything else. And so where the council sits, they have created this, you know, egalitarian society. They've gotten mm-hmm. rid of war. Um, and their thing is like, any change that happens over here that's going to mess up what we have here, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and they send someone back to make sure that history happens as it should. Um, and those are watchers. And oh. so, you know, that's Grace's job uh, to go back and fix these things without changing history at the same time. Cause that's a no, no mm-hmm. can't change it. Um, but to make sure it does what it's supposed to do. And then she goes home. So she's and a mechanic she lives, of history. 
in, in a sense, um, but she's a historian, right? She she's trained for this since she was a baby um, because it's a family thing, right? Her grandmother was a watcher and her great grandmother. So she kind of takes over once her grandmother dies. So she knows what she's meant to do. She's studied for this. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really good at what she does. And, you know, it's, it's trying to, <laughs> that, to walk that fine line, right. Between making sure things go the way they're supposed to do, and then making sure you don't change anything by accident. Um, right. But yeah, so that's kind of what, it's kind of what they do. It's just, it was just my idea of escape of like, how could I go to these places and, and see these events and then not mess with anything? How could I do that? And I, so I kind of wrote this story and I never intended to do anything with it. I wrote it for myself. Mm-hmm. I shared it with a few friends. Um, I think I wrote the first draft in like 10 days. Um, wow. Send it to my friends. Um, just like, Hey, look at this story I wrote. Isn't it great? And they emailed me a couple of days later and like, so what's, what happens next? <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I have to write another book now. Damn. Yeah. That's um, a great question to get. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happens next? Um, and it's continued to that point for my beta readers. I, I'll send them a book. What happens now? <laughs> well, guys, I, I can't, I can't write that fast. Um, yeah, you're like, chill out. I just finished this one. I have to I did, <laughs> I just finished it. I know they, they, <laughs> they'll finish them in two days and then come back to me like, what happens? Uh, but that's basically the, the gist of how I started it. <laughs> Well, and the series as a whole, as you said, has a lot of books in it and, mm-hmm. and no end in sight as of as of now, right? Uh, no, actually, um, no, I'm ending it at uh, 21, I believe. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's an overall arc. I know where it's going mm-hmm. um, and what the overall kind of where it's going to end in the, the kind of series one ends at book 13, right? And mm-hmm. the, the overarching arc for series one ends in that book. Um, and then we get kind of a new one for series two, which ends at 21. So yeah, they, they've got plenty of adventures that will keep people reading for quite a while, but yeah, I mean, it has an end for sure. Has an end. Uh, I'd love to chat more about the research side of your book writing and your, if your reenactment has had any, uh, influence upon your writing and, mm-hmm. and what sort of, what sort of research do you, you do? I mean, I know we mentioned in your bio that you even travel and scout locations to get yes. firsthand experience. So I'll get to that part last because that that's a fun part. Um, <laughs> yes, the historical reenacting definitely has an effect. Um, I mean, I can, because I've put myself in those situations, I can understand the historical perspective a lot better. And therefore I can kind of write the historical perspective from a different point of view. Um, as someone who has spent days, uh, being that it really kind of informs your understanding of, of how things worked and why things were the way they were, whether you agree with it or not. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that definitely plays a part in it. Research. I, my goal in these books is to write is, is accuracy, it's historical accuracy. Um, everything that I write actually happened. Uh, I weave my characters through that history rather than the history around my characters. They are part of what's happening. Um, they are not the focus of what's happening. Does that, if that makes any sense? Oh, yeah. Um, 
I'm not changing that history to suit my story or their story. They are there as observers. So it needs to be, it needs to be correct. And my goal is to like, you know, if you walk away from reading these books, it's like, okay, you know, something that actually happened. Uh, you know, so I, I do a lot of reading old books, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, reading theses. Um, I kind of, you know, you check into archives and look at primary source documents like letters and diaries and journal entries to kind of see what the mindset of someone living at that time was. Um, I will look up stuff um, down to small stuff, like what kind of food was available, you know, what, you know, because it makes a difference, right? It's (laughs) the best example of that is, is, you know, writing something where this character goes in and she's throwing cinnamon and nutmeg in this thing. And you're like, ah, no, (laughs) Uh, because both of those things were super expensive and kept under lock and key. There was no way that you would have done that. Yeah, you um, have that in your house. No, right? <laughs> no. I mean, the 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 cost of spice now, and the <laughs> the way we so liberally use it would mm-hmm. freak them out. <laughs> they would lose their mind because <laughs> like, oh my, what are you doing? Um, you must be like super rich. You can afford all of this stuff. Um, you know, but it, it's it's those tiny details that for me really make it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and you kind of, like I said, you just get your hands on as many of those primary source documents as you possibly can. Um, and don't be afraid. Like I'm not ever afraid to reach out to other historians who are experts in a particular period Mm -hmm. and run an idea by them and say, I have this thought about this. What do you think? What do you think about this? Um, and that is actually a huge part of, of book three, um, and, and the research that I did for that one, scouting locations, you know, is again, that's part of those small details. Um, you know, book one entirely takes place, um, at Acnacary in the Highlands of Scotland up by Fort William. And that is the seat of Clan Cameron. Um, the focus, you know, Clan Cameron is the focus of that book. And I, you know, I, so I'm like, I need to go there. I had the chance to go there and I went to see where these places were um, and be able to kind of adjust my descriptions and make sure that, that the places that I say exist are where I say they are and look the way that I say that they look. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because I feel like that's important so that you can put yourself in those places. And if you go there yourself, you can find them they're there. You can see it. Um, you know, going to Culloden was super important to me for that reason too, is to kind of look at the layout of the battlefield, see what was there and try to make sense of it. And there's some creepy, (laughs) creepy parts of that, (laughs) that the research for the first one, because I didn't do any research for the first one again, because I wasn't planning on doing anything with it. So I just kind of wrote it. Um, and so when I went to Acnacary, the creepy part is everything was where I said it was. I didn't have to change anything. And it looked like what I said it looked like, which is weird because there's no, it's set like way out in the middle of nowhere. There's no Google maps or street view for you to go and look for it. Um, so it's kind of weird. 
It was kind yeah, of weird. You had never been there before. The, I had never been time. there. I had never been there. Um, and it, the same kind of same kind of thing happened at Culloden too. I mean, I there's the scene, um, kind of in the middle, um, where Grace kind of has this last chance to try and save Ewan's life at the battle. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to, she's talking to him and she's like trying to convince him, you know, please don't do this. And they're talking in a stand of woods. Now, as I'm writing this book, I'm like, eh, where are they going to, they need to have this conversation where no one's going to see them. Where am I going to do that? Um, on a moor, right? A moor is a wide open space. Yeah. I was like, eh, it doesn't matter. I'll just say there's a stand of woods right there. So imagine my surprise when I go to Culloden and there is a stand of woods behind the Jacobite lines, exactly where I said it was. Um, and very so strange. It, <laughs> it's very strange. It's very creepy, um, but awesome kind of at the same time. I mean, it's, you know, to see, even then to see you and Cameron's name on the muster roll for 1745 um, on the La regiment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that there was a person by the name that actually existed and went there and died. So my goal, like I said, is to make sure that when you're reading that, you can read those descriptions of those places and put yourself right there, right there with them. And if you ever feel so inclined or you ever go out there, you can actually go and just stand in those same places. Which I imagine would be just so exciting after reading a whole book about that location Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. you can basically place yourself within the narrative now. Yeah, you can absolutely stand there. Um, There is a place um, where Lock Arcaig turns into the River Arcaig. And there's a ford right there. And there's a bridge there now that it used to be um, at at Ewan's point in time. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where they first meet. And you can literally go and stand right there, same spot, see everything that she's seeing. Um, Because it's all still there. None of it's changed. Um, it's, it's incredible. Um, but I think you would, we talked about research as far as the book three is concerned. Um, <laughs> book three is a different animal um, because it is primarily centered around Ewan's time in the rebellion, in the, the nine months before Grace shows up. Oh, okay. Um, and so for me, that's now all of a sudden we're jumping into military history, which is not my gig. Um, I'm reading books, um, you know, trying to pull primary source documents, looking at these letters between the chiefs themselves and Charles Edward Stewart, um, and trying to kind of get around, um, what was propaganda and what wasn't, um, because there was a lot of propaganda put out about the prince after he lost um to discredit him and and make him so you know we have all of these historical ideas of of you know oh he was this drunken guy and he was stupid and you know blah 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 Mm -hmm. and he wasn't any of that um and so you have to kind of get around some of that um and then try to kind of figure out what that was like um from a common man's view as well right because Mm -hmm. ewan is not some rich chief or, or noble. He's a common, your common everyday officer right. uh, in, in this regiment. Um, and so I actually 
called on a lot of help um, from people that specialize in this. So uh, Paul McDonald, who is um, a weapons expert and also works with Treasure Trove Scotland, um, mm-hmm. registering historical finds. Um, I talked to him a lot, of, him a lot about um, weapons and things that they might have been carrying and how they might have used them. Um, I Christopher Duffy, who is a uh, the number one, I think, expert on military history in that period, so the, the army of that period. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to know anything, he's the guy to ask. Um, I... There was um, Chris Robinson, who is with the West Highland Museum. Um, you know, so it's all of these people that I went to and said, I want to get this right. These are my questions. And thankfully, you know, they were, and they were very excited about the fact that somebody was willing to go that far to make it correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and make sure. Yeah. To, to make, yeah. I mean, Lord. Um, you know, I mean, sitting in, in those archives and holding those papers in your hands, um, you know, seeing these letters that are a couple of hundred years old at this point, um, and trying to imagine what that was like, um, and what was happening at, at the time. Um, so I want whatever anybody takes away from this, I want it to be correct. And that even includes adjusting the portrayal of the prince to make it more nuanced and level mm-hmm. um you know and and there is a point where um ewan is talking to somebody um and he says you know I, I realize that from what i'm saying you're you're getting the wrong idea um because i'm telling you all of the the bad things and none of the good things and there were good things mm-hmm. and i need to fi- i feel like i need to fix that um and so he kind of tells you know the story about you know this is what it was really like this is who he was this is what i saw um yeah you know was he a perfect human being no but nobody is everybody has their moments everybody has their flaws but in the end he was he was a good guy and you know placed in kind of some impossible circumstances and you know it's like did you know did he get drunk afterwards? Well, sure. Of course he did. You know, because, well, I mean, (laughs) you know, he's basically like, you know, the the man watched his army be slaughtered and then was on the run for months. And then he finally gets back to France (laughs) and he's like, Hey, help. And the King of France, like, nah, man, we're done. (laughs) Um, And so he's kind of skulks back to Italy, but he'd had this whole weight put upon him since he was a kid. This is your life's work. This is your destiny is to go back and win this back for them. And he's failed. Mm -hmm. He's failed. Um, And he took that really personally. So of course he, he, he becomes depressed and he becomes an alcoholic. Uh, So you can't, at the point I'm kind of like, can you really blame him? I can't. I mean, I, 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 I I, I get it. I've never led an army, but you know, if I had, and (laughs) I'd probably drink every day too. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, you know, there's PTSD is an issue. Um mm-hmm. that of course we know about now that they did not. That that probably played a huge part. So there's yeah, I mean, like again, it's all it's all that research and wanting to kind of put the historical record out there um and and, and correct it a little bit. Um because you see a lot of books dealing with this period where they kind of make the prince kind of this foppy, idiotic character 
Yeah. And he's not, he's, he, and he wasn't that. Um, so you kind of want to change it up, I suppose, is, is the best way to put it. Um, but then even in that, you get to find like those crazy stories that nobody would freaking believe was true. But they are. if somebody didn't write it down, somebody didn't write it down. I mean, like the, the perfect, and this is like one of my favorite ones is, um, the, the army went into England at one point um, and they stopped for the night and Lockheel goes into this, you know, boarding house where he's going to stay for the night. Mm-hmm. And the woman throws herself at his feet and is wailing, please don't eat my babies. Please don't eat my babies. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, he's like, are you, are you crazy? Like, get up. What are, what, what? what are you talking about? He's like, why would I eat your children? And she says to him, well, it's common knowledge that, that babies and children are the preferred food of Highlanders. Oh my gosh. And he just kind of looks at, yeah, he just kind of looks at her and he's like, are you serious? That's a terrible rumor. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, what? No, like I've never eaten a baby in my life. Like I, maybe a baby cow, maybe like, I don't know what, like, (laughs) what are you talking? Um, he's like, I'm not going to do that. I I just want a place to warm place to sleep. It's cold as hell out here. Um, You know, and so this woman knocks on the wall and says, children, you can come out. The man's not going to eat you. Uh, and these two kids like come scurrying out and like bow at his feet. And he's like, I can't, uh, I can't. <laughs> and he just like walks past her. He's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, and it's kind of one of those stories that had someone with him not written it down. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know that that happened. Um which would be so sad. That's, that's tragic that something as hilarious as that kind of, we wouldn't have known. Um, yeah. you know, but if it had come down word of mouth, it was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's a lie like that. But no, somebody wrote, I mean, somebody with him wrote it down and wrote it in a letter. It was like, this is, this happened. Um, and so you get fun stuff like that, that you get to throw in. And I love doing that too. Kind of just those little right. tidbits. And do you, and do you feel like it's, it's kind of difficult to, as a historical fiction author to not include um, dramatized or fictional sides of the history with you wanting to be so accurate? No. And the reason why is because history is, history is fascinating by itself. There is enough drama to last you forever. Um, you, I don't need to make it up. Um, and, and so there's enough, especially with these characters, there's enough interpersonal drama between them that has nothing to do with the history that, that I don't need to mess with that. Um, and, and so no, um, you know, cause again, again, it's like, I don't want to do that. It's interesting by itself. And do you feel like you are in fact a watcher yourself in the way <laughs> that you are writing a series in the sole purpose to correct history like, history within fiction uh you could say that i suppose um that's that's an interesting way of thinking about it um yeah i mean yes and no um i mean it's very my goal is to inspire you to go and learn more about it Hmm. um don't just take my word for it you know to make you interested in the thing that happened this is your gateway drug um Uh this is interesting now go find out more go read more about this read for yourself, decide for yourself and, and figure out what you think about what happened. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of my goal, right. It's to, and, 
to kind of bring some of these to people's attention that they don't really know about it. Um, right. You know, it, it's, it, we all hear about, you know, Byron, right. But, mm-hmm. um, and some people don't even know who he is. <laughs> and so, you know, he's super fascinating. I mean, this is the guy that brought a pet bear to university with him because they said he couldn't have a dog. <laughs> and he's like, but in the rules, nowhere in the rules does it say I can't have a bear. That's and he brought a bear. <laughs> right? But like, this is the kind of guy he was. Um, he's like, if, I mean, if he can like flip a bird to authority in the establishment, he was absolutely going to do it. Um, you know, but again, you know, it's, <laughs> so it's getting someone that maybe doesn't know who, who he is. Right. And then having them read a book and be like, ooh, well, he sounds kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder what more is out there about him. And he's talking about a fascinating figure. That guy was crazy. But yeah, I mean, I would love to to, to think that, that, uh, that I'm out there kind of preserving history. That would be, that's super cool. And um, it's a super cool idea, super cool way of thinking about it. Now, I know that you brought up Clan Cameron earlier in mentioning yeah. your first book. I'd love to to know a little bit more about your your decision to create a second edition of your of your original novel of the series, book one, with the mm-hmm. addition of the Ford by Moira Cameron. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so the second edition came about with signing with a publisher um, mm-hmm. who released it, <clears throat> and you know they kind of added their bits to it, and we were able to kind of make some changes to it, which was great. Um, and I'm not with that publisher anymore, but it's still the second edition is still out there. Um, and so I reached out to Moira, um, and asked her cause she's a, she's a dear friend of mine. Um, love her to bits and she loves these books. Um, and so I asked her if she would be so kind as to kind of write the forward to it because she is a Cameron and it's a book about the Camerons. Um, and she didn't hesitate for a second. Absolutely. I will do that for you. Um, and the foreword that she wrote was beautiful. Um, uh, and in it, she says it made these books make her want to learn more about her own history. And you can't give a better compliment to someone like me than that, yeah. that, that something that I wrote makes you want to go learn more about your own past and your own history. Um, and she even said too that you know she feels kind of like a watcher herself, um, huh. guarding the history of the Tower of London and teaching people the truth about what happened. Um, right. And so it's fascinating how people, in their own ways, relate to these characters um, mm. and see them parallel kind of to their own lives and the things that they're doing. Um, you know, I know a lot of male readers really identify with Ewan a lot um, as this kind of guy who honor is everything. Um, And he's not, (laughs) but he's also not afraid to, to be a human being and show that and admit that he's afraid of something um, or that he's upset, Um, you know? And so it's, it's very, it's very interesting. You know, just that it's like, yeah, I would totally, I think the, the comment I hear most is like, I, I identify with them. I would, this is me. I would be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I am like this. You know, uh, there are, <clears throat> are a couple of guys, excuse me, that were in the military or were in the police um, who absolutely identify with him um, and the martial culture he lives in uh, oh. and, and the effects of that martial culture on him as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to him, you know, and, and what that does to you, because it's not, it's not nice. You know, it, it's not a, it's not one of those things like, okay, I can go to war and then I'm done. You know, it, it's not, it, it's dealing with the fallout after that. What do you, you know, what do you, what does that do to you? What does that do to your psyche? Right. Um, if seeing the worst of what humans can do to each other, um, and so they kind of identify with his struggle with that too, um, where he has come home mm-hmm. and um, he'd, he'd been away a while and he comes home. And ever since he was a kid, he wanted to be an officer. Ever since he was, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be an officer and guard Marquille. That's what I want to do. And he'd been raised to want to do that. And he comes home and he gets that, that wish and he becomes an officer, the, the youngest one, and he becomes the officer. And he goes through this war um, and he starts to become really, really disillusioned with mm. everything. Um, and he's like, I, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if this is a life I want anymore. I don't know. You know, I see this huge life uh, in, extended before me of serving this one person and never yeah. getting anywhere and never going anywhere. And like, I can't get any higher than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for someone, I think that, I think there's a lot of people that, that identify with that, right. That, that feeling of like, I can't get any better here. Oh, if yeah, I stay here, I'm not going to get any world. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, but it's why people leave their towns, right. It's why people mm-hmm. move. You know, I, if I stay here, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to get higher than what I am. And so, you know, how, that's obviously identifiable. Um, I think, unfortunately, you know, you get the sympathy with him because he can't leave. Um, uh, you know, we can, we now have the ability to be like, I quit, I'm out. Right. We can just hop he in the car and drive off. I'm, I'm, I'm gone, right? <laughs> I quit this job. He can't do that. Mm-hmm. He can't do that. He is locked in for life to this. He, he is, you know, so how does that feel? Right. I mean, like you're like, I I wanted, I wanted this, I have it and I don't want it anymore, but now I'm stuck. Mm. Um, and, and it's very, yeah, that, but it's, it's tough. Um, I mean that the first book is very interesting in the fact that it sets everything up. Right. Um, you know, Grace meets him, uh, and and her goal is to stop him Mm -hmm. from dying. Right. He's going to go to Culloden. He's going to die. Um, and she shows up and she's like, Hey, um, you shouldn't go to this battle cause, cause you're going to die. <laughs> and he just kind of looks at her and is like, eh, whatever. And she's like, hang on. What? What? Right. I mean, so it's like right. how for a 21st century brain, you're just like, wait, how, slow your roll. What mm-hmm. is that about? Um, now is she going against her job in doing this? No, him not to no, uh, uh-uh, no. Um, she, she, she's allowed to, she goes as what she is. So she has the opportunity to go and blend in 
which we see her do in the first mission of the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first part of the book, she's in a mission and we see her that she is, she's there. She blends in. She looks like a normal person. When she shows up to see you and she's there as herself, she's there as grace, the watcher, they know what she is and they're terrified. Um, Because I didn't realize that. Yeah. So the folk stories, right. Is that, that watchers are God's agents on earth. Um, and they will ensure his will by whatever means necessary, including killing people. Um, (laughs) and so grace shows up and she's like, Hey, I'm here for this guy. And Ewan's mom freaks out. Of course. It's like, don't go, don't kill him while we're done. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to kill him. I'm here to save him. Like, what the hell? Don't eat my baby, please. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, but so she, she, she's approaching it from a different angle, right? She's like, Mm -hmm. if I kind of go as this supernatural being that they think that I am, he might listen to me. And turns out not so much, (laughs) not so much. Um, you know, and she, as time kind of goes on and he's like, no, 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 nope. Still going, still going. And it's this battle of wills between them and who's going to win. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's starting to get more and more desperate as the book goes on to try and stop him. Um, because she's a, she's never failed. B, what the heck is going to happen? Right. She has no idea what effect this is going to have in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, ah, no. And, and it does get to the point where she does break the cardinal rule in her job. Um, because she feels like that's the only option she has left. And it doesn't work. Um, it backfires spectacularly. But <laughs> she tries to change history um, and tells them how to win at Culloden. Oh. Um, and they ignore her. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it's very, it's very interesting, um, right? That that book sets it up. Um, you get book two, which is a, a year later, um, and you have kind of a new mission that she's on that in France, um, that involves kind of some of the same characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get three. Um, which is coming out in April, um, which is about, like I said, Ewan's time kind of in the in the rebellion and, and his this nine months before Grace shows up to try to tell him he's going to die. Uh, yeah. So it, it's um, and what he kind of does with that information. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, they're they're fascinating characters. They're fun characters to to write. It sounds um, like it. And dealing with time travel, right, is such an interesting thing in itself because as we have as as we have personally uh, chatted about before this, you know, there's the option to go back to certain times in history to make a difference, and the the struggle of would you really change anything? Because if if you did, the aftermath mm-hmm. could be in fact worse than what it yes. is now. Yes, yes, and there are that's kind of their their thing, right? It's you you kind of hit that moral ethical question of you know, you have the opportunity, you have the power to, to change something mm-hmm. awful that happens. Right. Um, and you can't do it as much as you want to, mm. because everything that comes after that event is built upon that event. If you change it, who knows what's going to happen. Right. Um, and like you said, it could be worse. It mm-hmm. could be way worse. Um, and, and the line, I think, I think, Grace says something. I think it's in the first book. Um, she's like, I could have done this. I could have, I could have changed it. 
And, you know, you know, you looks at her, he's like, but how many, how many would you kill in the future to save one in the past? Mm. And she's just like, damn it. You're right. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and he's, he actually, he does that a lot. Um, but, like the trolley question. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Um, you know, he's like, because, you know, maybe you save this one and then a bunch of people die in the future. And what if that person that dies in the future was meant to do something great? Right. And now you've jacked that up. Um, and so she's, they, they really walk that, that line of trying not to, to change it, even if they want to. Um, and we see, we see that happen a, a lot. Um, I want to mm-hmm. say there's a, there's a mission she has with um, the Romanovs mm. right at the start of their downfall. And she knows they're going to die. And there's nothing she can do about it. Right. And she, um, can't tell them, I would she can't tell them. Nope. She can't tell them. Um, she becomes close to the children. Um, mm. One of them is, you know, I think stops her and is like, take me, take me with you. I just feel like something bad's going to happen. <laughs> And she's just like, oh man, aren't you right? (laughs) She's like, I want to, I want to, I want to, but I can't, um, you know, so it's, I think that's the same thing that we would all hit. Um, you know, we would hit these kind of things where it's like, can I, can I fix it? Um, somehow can I, and I make it a little bit better for somebody. Um, and you can't, um, I think that that's, I couldn't do it to to be completely honest. Um, I I think Mm. that. I would find that far too difficult. Oh, okay. Um, to, I was going to ask actually if you if you could choose a place yeah. to go back in history to change for the better. Oh what lord. Would you do, but um I honestly if I if I, <laughs> I was just talking to an, uh, another author about this today actually. Um and that I'm going to actually have fun writing a piece that I will never use in a book. Mm. Um but I'm going to do it because I want to. Um and it's it's that kind of scenario. Um, where it's like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to say, if I add these things to the battle of Culloden Uh and I change the leadership and I change how things go and they win instead of lose, what, Mm -hmm. what happens? What's the Um, effect, right? What's what happens? Um, and also how happy Grace would be to make that happen Mm -hmm. regardless because she hates his guts. Oh, she hates Cumberland with a passion. Um, hates him. But you know, she, she you know how much she'd rejoice at being able to be like, I get to kill him now, finally. Um, but uh, you know, so I, I think I can change it mentally. Um, mm-hmm. I think if I had to be like her, I would I would stick to the rules. I wouldn't do it because I know better. Right. Um, you know, it would suck. I would hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, but that's why I wrote it the way that I did. Um, is cause you have that dilemma along with her, right. Um, of, right. of being attached to, to these characters and wanting to make things better for them and not being able to do it. Yeah. And do you feel like the, the council actually is doomed to, um, and, and you may not be able to answer this, but, uh, I get mm-hmm. the sense that the council may actually be doomed to fall as, as, it's happened in the past with these these people who have been in charge to mm-hmm. to try to make things right, but 
I mean, we've never seen this in, in history, obviously, with time travel now. So I guess that right. changes things. But um, I would be inclined to, to imagine that the council is actually, in fact, going to, to fall. We'll see basically a, um, a loop, basically a, a, a circle right back to where it all kind of began. Um, no. Um, and that's an interesting thought. Um, but the reason that it won't is because of these changes that they make um, and, and these adjustments mm. that they're able to make within their own society um, because they have a different governing structure. Um, right. You know, they make sure that everybody is taken care of. Um, mm. Everybody's equal. Everybody's happy. Um, nobody has to go to war. Nobody's dying. You know, they have a pretty super advanced medical system that's available to everybody. Um, okay. At some point, Grace comes into contact with councils that are 800 years beyond where she is. Um, and oh. so it, it, they all kind of keep each other in line, but they work in the background, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. And so they, they won't. Um, mm -hmm. but they do have an issue where I'm trying to think about this to, to make it non-spoilers. Uh, they have an enemy that they have put somewhere mm. and obviously this enemy is not happy about this and they are constantly trying to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is their biggest threat. Okay. Um, and so, so we see kind of the fallout from that later on. Um, and it starts actually starts in the second book. We start, we meet them in the second book. Um, and they're not, they're not good people. Um, and, and in, in a way it's, it's an allegory for, for war. Um, they have taken war in the form of these people yeah, and locked them away somewhere oh. so that they can't damage people and they can't do any of the things that they do anymore. Um, but how war is always trying to make its way back in yeah, to mess things up. And so it, it's, yeah, <laughs> so this, it's the non-spoilery way of, of explaining it. I mean, it sounds like a really great series. Um, and I love that it's, it's really like grounded historical fiction and the fact that you can really learn something while reading um, such an exciting narrative as well. So uh, Ailey, before we go, I'd just love if you could give us a little bit of words of wisdom or your advice for those listening out there? Uh, I would just say, keep writing. Don't think that you can't do it. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody can. Um, I think the best piece of advice that I was ever given, um, honestly, is just write the story, get it out of your head, and then go back and make it pretty. Right. Sec don't edit while you're writing it. Second drafts are for making it pretty. Just get it all out. Get it all out. And then, then edit. And just keep trying. I mean, independent publishing is hard. Getting published with a publisher is hard. Mm -hmm. uh, just try. Just keep trying. Don't give up. I love that. If interested, where can people find out more about you and your books? They can find them um, on Amazon. Uh, they can also find them um, Barnes & Noble. You can go to any bookstore. Uh, and if they don't carry it, they can ask you or you can ask them to order it for you and they will. Mm -hmm. Um I think bookshop.org um, carries it if you don't want to shop with Amazon. Um, as far as finding more about me, I am on all the social media platforms. I have a Facebook um, page. I have 
a reader group if you want to be part of the reader group, which is where um, I kind of do sneak peeks and exclusives and stuff for my readers there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on TikTok. I'm super active on TikTok, uh, which is, is really fun. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. And if audiobooks are more your style, I actually did, um, with a friend of mine, we did a, an audio read during the pandemic of the first book. So that's available on both um, Instagram and on my Facebook author page. Great. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was good to, to be here and talk to somebody about this. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to support myself and the show, head on over to patreon.com slash today. I hope that you continue to enjoy these amazing guests each week and that you go away feeling a little bit more Indino.